I mean, there's a vulnerability in creating anything because the, the chance is high that somebody is out there is not going to like it. Um, and so, but don't let that stop you because I think that's, that's kind of part of it. Um, you know, finding your community, finding your people is, is important, but that also means that there's going to be some people who aren't going to connect with what you're talking about, what story mm -hmm. you're telling, and that's okay too. I think the point is to find those people that it, it matters to the most and that it will help the most and will connect with the most and, and really don't worry about everybody else. So mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. Just start somewhere. Just, just do something. From cave drawings to family histories to stories around the fire, humans crave order among chaos, connection amid isolation. So we tell stories. Our mission at the Storytellers Network is to bring the art of story to the masses. Whether you're in marketing, you're an entrepreneur, or you're developing your own personal brand, telling your story effectively can make the difference between celebrating milestones and collecting unemployment. The Storytellers Network strives to help storytellers tell their stories so you can learn from the best. Now, your host, Dan Moyle. Welcome, storytellers. I'm your host, your guide, your librarian. I'm Dan, and I love story. I love sharing the stories of storytellers that I admire uh, and some that I'm just getting to know along with you. The case today is someone I admire and have for quite a while, so that I'm really excited. I even get a little tongue-tied at the beginning because such a fan of my guest today, uh, as I am of all my guests, but even more so today. Now. Before we get into that conversation, a nudge to visit the website, head to the storytellersnetwork.com for past episodes with amazing storytellers, links to resources to help you better tell your story and contact information for me. That's all at the storytellersnetwork.com. Now, story connects us and getting into a story today with my guest really connected me to, to her and I've already known her story because I subscribed to her newsletter. She is a Wall Street Journal bestselling author and the world's first chief content officer. So this is awesome. Anne Handley is a marketing thought leader, writer, and human that I admire, and author of Everybody Writes, your go-to guide for creating ridiculously good content. And we talk about all of that and more. She also happens to be a great storyteller. So let's get to her stories. Anne Handley, welcome to the Storytellers Network. Uh, I hope I hope this is is as fun for you as it is for me. I'm excited. How, how are you? I am very excited. Thank you so much for having me. Good. So I've been a, a fan for a long time. Uh, I've been following on social media. I, I've read a, a bunch of your stuff. Uh, I actually have to make a, I have to give a confession though. I hadn't mm. read Everybody Writes just yet, but it's on its way to me because I've read so much of your stuff. I feel like I already have read it, but I want to officially read it. So I'm excited about that. Um, but your newsletter has blown me away over the last, I don't know, six, eight months, whatever, it's been a year. Uh, so thank you for all the writing that you do for the, for the community. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, my newsletter is probably my most favorite thing I do, and I is love it? a lot of what I do, so that's saying a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's been an inspiration for me uh, on a professional side of things. I've used that and a couple other newsletters as inspiration for what I do, so that's awesome. Uh, but I want to know, as we get into it, are you a storyteller, Ian? I mean, I don't think I identify as a storyteller, or, or I should say I never have, um, but I've actually come to realize that I am, in fact, a storyteller, in part because that's how I communicate my ideas, is essentially through story. You know, we mentioned my newsletter a second ago. I start every single newsletter issue every other every other Sunday, which is the cadence that I publish at. Um, I start every single issue with a story. 
And so while I never think of myself as a storyteller, I have come to realize that that's exactly how I communicate is as a storyteller. Mm-hmm. And I love those stories. So, you know, oftentimes there's a lesson in there. Other times it's, it's just an interesting peek into someone that's out there in the world doing this, a, a thought leader, uh, much as I don't love that term. I mean, that's, it's a, it's a real thing, right? Mm-hmm. I, re- I remember somebody saying one time, what, what is the deal with thought leader? Can't we just be a, a, a doer? Yes. Why do exactly. I have to, you know? So, I, know. Anyway. I feel slightly allergic to that word too. I totally right. understand. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I, but you know, when I think about, about you and some of your, your colleagues that you've um, blazed trails with, I mean, that's what you all are, are these leaders of thought. So, I mean, that, that works, but yeah, it's your newsletter brings that it is story. Um, as you have begun to wrap your mind around that, around that, about being a storyteller, where do you think that kind of started for you? I think for me, the idea of storytelling just really goes back to my childhood in the sense that I was always an avid reader. I'm the youngest of four by far. All of my older siblings are a lot older than me. And so they never really had a lot of time for me, like when I was growing up. And so I I sought refuge in stories and books. Um, I used to go to the library every week with my mom and still like those are some of my fondest childhood memories is going to the library with a stack of books and always feeling slightly like I don't know a sense of disbelief like you could get these books from this place for free like how does this business model even work in my five-year-old brain I was thinking that Um, but yeah I mean just the idea of you know first of all immersing myself in a world that was so different than my own through books through reading um and a little bit of an escape i guess like like books and stories are for a lot of us uh just really really enjoying that that process and really loving the the feeling of immersing myself in a world that was not the one that i was in and does that translate today into business writing can we do the same thing as businesses as we can for entertainment I think so. Yes. Um, You know, last a few weeks ago, I was in Dallas, Texas, and I was at a meeting with, you know, I was in um, the same room all day like you are, you know, and, and the banquet staff is in and out with snacks and drinks all day long. And one of the things that was that ended up on the beverage table in the back of the room was a bottle of Dr. Pepper or a few bottles of Dr. Pepper and not like the, the new like plastic bottles, but the retro bottles, you know, those mm. heavy retro bottles. And they had these three numbers. The label of the Dr. Pepper had these three numbers on the outside. It was a 10, a two and a four around the logo. And I thought, God, that is so weird. What is that? You know, and I was sort of studying it like like I was, I don't know, like taking an eye exam. Like I was studying it that closely, <laughs> trying to figure out like what's the connection between these three things. And this guy named Steve who worked at with the banquet staff at the hotel, I didn't know him, but he just came over to me and he's like, oh, do you know what that means? And he told me the story of how Dr. Pepper, um, based on some research that came out of Columbia University in the 1920s, found that a person's blood sugar is lowest at 10, 2, and 4 in the afternoon, and more specifically, 10.30 in the morning, 2.30 in the afternoon, and 4.30 in the afternoon. And so Dr. Pepper literally described itself at 10, 2, and 4 as a way to elevate a person's blood sugar. So... Hmm. It's a classy example of a story that somehow like that has not appeared on the Dr. Pepper bottles in 
decades. I mean, I think they ran it for about 20 years from the 30s till about the 50s. Um, so it hasn't appeared in the bottles for 20 years, yet the story lives on. So to me, it's the power of story. It's the power of a, a story that is that actually connects to the customer that somehow gives it legs. Um, and when I think about that now, I think that as a kind of marketing model is so relevant in 2020. And it comes from this, you know, sort of retro Dr. Pepper bottle. And interesting that it can be this um, throwaway purchase, right? It's such yeah. a, an impulse buy of $1.52 for a, for a soda. And yet there's a story behind it. You know, what I think about some of the clients that I work with or that I've worked for in the past or businesses, and it's such a, a long purchase, just like a mortgage maybe, right? Or yeah. some other kind of big thing. But this, I mean, a buck and a quarter in a vending machine and you got it. But yeah, there's a story behind it and an adventure almost. Um, yeah. Very interesting. And that's actually, when you think about it, that's a story that, that, you know, sort of galvanizes a fan base, right? It galvanizes a community. If you're not a fan of Dr. Pepper, then you probably don't care about that. Like you would never drink that. But if you are a fan of Dr. Pepper, then that gives you sort of a... I don't know, like a communion with the product, you know, it's sort of, mm -hmm. it's, it's a kind of orthodoxy around this product, which as you point out is, it's not even, it's usually an unconsidered product uh, purchase, right? And so mm -hmm. what Dr. Pepper is doing is they're, there's, they're telling a story around here's why you should do it. Here's the kind of person you are if you are a Dr. Pepper fan and here's when you should drink this. So they're really wrapping a whole lot into that 10 to 4 sequence on their bottles. I mean, honestly, I think that Dr. Pepper should bring it back because I think it would be such a brilliant social media campaign for 2020, like, you know, to, right. to have people sharing those moments. What are you doing at 10, 2, and 4 with your Dr. Pepper? Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, that's oh, just be, a little that would be fun. The, free see, bit of marketing to Dr. Pepper <laughs> Snapple, who now owns Dr. Pepper. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so it's, it's funny because that is, I mean, that's, that would feel like a connection when you talk about social media and what are you doing at 10 o'clock or 2 o'clock or four o'clock it those stories connect us is is that at, at its core what why story is so important i think so yeah i think it gives not only marketing and not only products but i think it gives our lives meaning you know it puts what we do in a context that matters. At least I think that's what the best stories do. They connect us to one another. They connect us to our lives. Um, and they connect us to the things that we love. So that's why I think fundamentally stories are so important, why they should absolutely be part of your marketing, mm -hmm. um, and why I think it, it, they, they just make our lives richer in general. You know, people talk all the time about how, you know, this is like we learn through stories, we remember stories, and it's gotten to the point where it's almost a, it gets almost cliche to talk about that, but it's 100% true. You know, that doesn't mean it's not true, and it, it really is. It's, it's the thing that you remember. It's the thing that it sticks with you, and why is that? I think because it puts everything into context in a way that we can understand it and connect to it. Mm -hmm. Yes. So yeah, very much so. Um, so as a storyteller, whether it's from the stage, uh, in a book, in your newsletter, in interviews, whatever it is, what do you personally love about stories so much? I love the way that you can help people, let people into your world, you know, bring them into your way of thinking. Um, like on stage, for example, I 
love telling a story about a, 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 a little bit of an odd situation, right? And like, how is this actually going to connect back? And when I'm able to connect it back and people in the audience are sort of, not only do they have an aha moment, but a lot of times they're laughing because I try to be sort of entertaining and funny and how I'm telling a story. Um, and so I love that full circle moment when a, when a seemingly unrelated something comes full circle and you connect it back to what the audience in the room is there to learn. So I think that translates when you're telling a story on stage. I think it translates if you're telling a story through content of any kind, a newsletter, a blog post, whatever the case may be, a book. Um, and I just, I think it connects in conversation too. So yeah, that's what I love about it. I love it when people go, oh, I didn't think about it that way. And I love the element of surprise that's kind of baked into that, that's inherent in that as well. And as a business storyteller, where do you find the inspiration to be entertaining like that? Other business storytellers, do you go to the entertainment world? Where do you find your inspiring people that you look up to? Hmm. Um, you know, I really find the inspiration in the stories themselves a lot of times. Um, in terms of how to tell a story, I mean, I've, you know, I've certainly done speaker training. I've thought a lot about, you know, what works, what doesn't. Um, I will often record my talks and think about, you know, when I watch them back, I think, what didn't work right there? Why didn't, like, I thought that was a really good moment. And why didn't the audience seem to react in any way? Why didn't they laugh? Mm -hmm. Why, why didn't it feel like a moment? Um, and so for me, it's kind of an iter iterative process. Um, just, trying to understand what's going to connect with somebody. It's almost, a, I don't know, not to get too overblown with it, but it, it really is sort of a, it's a lifelong pursuit, right? Try to figure out how to tell a story that connects to somebody in a way that's going to make a difference to them. Mm -hmm. Interesting that you go back to your own presentations, much like, you know, sports people do, athletes yeah. do. Um, how important is that post-mortem and preparation for the next one? for you? How big of a part of your process is that? Oh, it's huge. And believe me, it's, it's brutal. I hate it. You know, I hate going back and watching the play by play of something. I find it excruciating to watch myself on video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I will probably never listen to this podcast because I don't like the sound of my own voice, you know? So that's maybe a slight exaggeration. I will listen to it just because <laughs> you, you and me, but, um, but no, I don't listen to it because I love that act. I listen to it because I want to figure out what worked and what, what didn't. And you're, the way that you are experiencing something in your own head is often very different than what you think is actually happening in the room. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. there are these moments where I think, I thought that I, like I've had situations where I've been, I've watched a, a talk that I gave and I remember in my head thinking this is way over the top. Like my actions are real over the top. My voice is over the top. And then when I watch it, I realize it's a little muted. And so it's a good example, I think, of how sometimes we just, we don't have a clear sense of how we actually are until you go back and you, and you watch it over again. And you're like, oh, you know what I could have done here to make this more impactful or to make this resonate a little more was maybe to do something like this. And so it just, it's a, it's a iterative learning process, I think. So yeah, I think it's massively important. It's just like, you know, you wouldn't, it's, it's like as a writer, you can it's think of it as a first draft right and so in speaking a lot of times you are 
almost publishing your first drafts, right? <laughs> because at mm. some point you have to go out there and you have to give a talk for the first time or you have to tell a story for the first time with a live audience. And so if you aren't always improving, if you're not always editing that, then it's a missed opportunity, right? Because just like in writing, when you when you when you're editing, you go back, you you write something as a rough draft, you sort of barf up that ugly first draft as I talk about <laughs> and everybody writes. You've got that, you go back, you fine tune it, you polish it, you switch places with the with the reader as I talk about as well, right? You write as a writer, but then you think, am I being as clear as I could be? Am I telling this story in a compelling way? If I think of it from the reader's point of view, is it actually connecting with them or is it not? And so it's the very same thing that you do in writing on stage, but because you don't have a paper record of it, right? Obviously you've got to figure out a way to create a record. And so that's why it's important to record record your talks. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's funny to me as much as, you know, I think about you as this professional who tours the world, you're in Dallas, Texas, you speak at events and you're, and you're on, on media uh, so many of my friends and family who don't do that say all the time, well, how can you stand to listen to your own voice? Mm. You at, at your level, you still don't like it. So it's just, yeah. it's funny. I was talking I, to, I, yeah, I was talking to a speaker friend the other day and, and I was, we were having a conversation similar to this and he said, really, I love the sound of my own voice because what, <laughs> and I was like, what, how is that even possible? And he said, he, he describes something similar to what we're talking about here in the sense that when he's on stage, he's so in the moment that he kind of forgets what happens. And so he likes to go back and relive the moment when mm. what it felt like from the audience. And I said, well, yeah, I, I do that. That's exactly why I do it, but I hate it. And he's like, oh, I love it. It's so good. It's like being in the audience again. So I was like, okay, I wish I, could, I wish I could, you know, feel that, that right. up for it, but I just don't. See, I, I, for some reason, I tend to remove myself when I go back and listen to episodes because I talk to so many amazing guests and have learned so much as I'm doing this. I listen to it later and I learn something different. And so I almost remove myself from the host and don't even hear my own voice anymore. It's, it's interesting. <laughs> anyway, um, so I, I love how in, in the description for uh, everybody writes, you say that in our content driven world, every one of us is in fact a writer. Yes. Um, have you like... What about those of us who maybe aren't in business, but still want to tell a better story? We're all, I mean, we're all writers then, right? Like I really, I want to, I really want you to admit to that. Are we really all writers no matter what we're doing professionally? Yeah, a hundred percent. I don't know a single business owner or a single business professional who isn't writing as part of their job, um, who isn't sending an email, who isn't on social media, who isn't on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn, who isn't writing something in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if you're a if you're a professional, then yeah, you absolutely are a writer. You know, even things like email, I think, is a classic example. And by email, I don't mean you know email marketing or email newsletters. What I mean is just email. Like, how are you communicating? Um, I mean, I've been get I've been editing marketers for, gosh, like 25 years, something crazy <laughs> like that, and. You know, I can, I can, I say this with love in my heart, but it's like a lot of marketers just don't know how to write and just have never, and don't really embrace the opportunity that we have. You know, you have, we all are stretched, right? We all have a million things coming at us every minute of every day. And so when I say that marketers don't know how to write, you know, very often it's like, what I mean is they they aren't really thinking about it from the perspective of the recipient. Um, 
And so my, my mission is really just to, to be that partner for anybody in business who, who needs to write an email to convince your boss that you need a raise, who needs to, um, you know, write an email to, uh, to anybody just to ask them or, or, or talk to them about any, anything. I think it's just a, a vastly undervalued, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I, I love the fact that we are such a, a written society. Um, even when you can include things like video in your email and stuff, you still have to write things and be cognizant of how you're communicating. Is it going to be received? What is, what is one of the biggest uh, or maybe most, most often made mistakes that you do see in that writing of, let's say, just emails? Hmm. What are we doing wrong right now? Um, just, I think wasting a lot of time, a lot of setup in everybody writes, I call it taking a running start. Um, I, a lot of us tend to justify why we're doing something when in fact we could just kind of get right into it. You know, mm-hmm. like even something as innocuous as, uh, I'm writing to you today to talk about this. Well, you can just take that right off. Right. Because of course you're writing to me cause I'm reading it, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> it's fair. just a, it's a small ways that, I mean, that's a silly example, but it's also not at the same time because I see, I see versions of that all the time in marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, we take a running start before we just get into what we're there to talk about. Uh, you don't need to justify why you're writing. You don't need to talk about the fact that, you know, you're sitting here today to communicate about this instead, just get right into it, you know? So don't take a running start. Just start right off and tell me, you know, grab me initially. Tell me why you're here. Tell me why I should care. Mm-hmm. And does that translate over into, let's say, blogging? I've seen, I've seen a, maybe a, a habit now or a something of a quote best practice of telling me why I'm reading your article in this article, <laughs> we're going to talk about this and I'm going to teach you that and the blah, blah, blah. Is that an SEO play? Is that a bad writing play? Where do you see that falling into our world right now? Yeah. I mean, maybe. Um, I mean, I, I think if you, there are ways to signal what this piece is about, even from an SEO standpoint without wasting a lot of setup on that. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't mean to say that you shouldn't be thinking about, you know, what is this piece about when you're sitting down to write it? Of course, you want to make sure that that's super clear. But, you know, there are other ways to do it through headlines, through subheads, through, you know, a tagline at the very beginning, whatever the case may be. But mm-hmm. once you get into the narrative of it, um, you know, find a way to engage your reader instantly because that's the whole thing. You know, it's like if a writer is, or sorry, if a reader comes to your blog, for example, and doesn't get their question answered right away or doesn't get their, whatever they came there for, isn't, that isn't satisfied immediately. If you're not signaling, I get you, you belong here. Here's, here's, you know, here's why it's what I'm, what we're, um, here's why it's important, then they're going to bounce, right? They're going to be gone. And so mm-hmm. I think just really embracing that opportunity that we have to just tell that story like right away, just get them right into it. Mm-hmm. I get you, you belong here. That's, I yeah. love that. That's a yeah. great way to say it. Um, or a great way to make them feel right. Cause we, we feel more than we remember. Yeah. So let's get back to you, Ann. Uh, as a storyteller, what's one of your biggest challenges that you have to grapple with on a regular basis? Hmm. What's one of my biggest challenges? Oh my gosh. I mean, I feel like I never have enough time in the day. Um, but that's a challenge that everybody has all the time, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's so much that I want to do and I feel that there's not enough hours in the day really to, to get it all done. So that's certainly something that I grapple with at a macro level. 
all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I like for me, that's the biggest thing. And what do you do to to help work through that? I mean, are, are you trying to get better time management? Are you just trying to realize that you can let things go? What do you do to, to, to work through that? I'm trying to be very specific about goals and figuring out what maps to what will actually what will actually make me happy, what I actually want to do, what I want to accomplish. Um, and you know, that sounds a little elementary maybe, but for me, it's, it's a, it's a new approach. It used to be that, for example, when I wrote content rules 10 years ago, um, I mean, it was, it was almost like I called up my co-author CC Chapman and said, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this book. Do you want to do this book? And he was like, yeah, great. I was like, great. Let's see if we can find a publisher. Like there was no goal in mind of like, (laughs) I want to write a book about content marketing because I feel that there's a, a lot of people who could benefit from that. Right. And so I, I didn't have that on my 2010 list of goals because I didn't have a list of goals in 2010. Now I'm being much more um, strategic, I think, about what I'm creating and how it maps to some things that are, are longer term important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that just has to do with, you know, it sounds so elementary again, but I think it's so important writing down your goals and not just putting them in a folder somewhere to pick up again in December when you're wondering how you're doing. I look <laughs> right. at them every single day and mm-hmm. I think about what I'm doing and how it's mapping to what I hope to accomplish in 2020. So mm-hmm. for example, in 2020, I want to write a book. So how do I write a book in 2020 while at the same time maintaining all the other things that I'm doing as part of my work life? Um, how do I do it while also balancing the fact that I have a newsletter that I'm putting out every other Sunday that takes an enormous amount of my time, um, that all my work at Marketing Profs, that all the work with our Marketing Profs B2B forum that's coming up this fall, like all of that, like how does it all map in? And so it just really helps me balance things by uh, by keeping them front and center and 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 thinking about how these things work together to help me accomplish the things that are on my list. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm exhausted just thinking about it. Um, <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> how do you do that? Do you have do you set goals for yourself for the year? Uh, so I I have begun to set goals for myself. Um, Remington, that who, who I work for, is is a great leader as far as that goes we have goals professionally and then that's led to me doing the same thing in my personal life um this Mm -hmm. year i sat down and thought of a word of the year which actually becomes an anagram with um five five six words uh in it Mm -hmm. so it's just this being very intentional my 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 word is thrive i want to thrive this year and the t stands for time Mm. i want to better manage my time and so it's using tools, but also thinking through things and planning out my days, but also you know, being flexible. So, so yes, the short answer is yes. I'm just setting goals finally. <laughs> mm, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And, I know. I have friends who, who do that too. They, they come up with a word or there's like a three word challenge that, that a couple of my friends are, have participated in too. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that can be extremely clarifying just having that. But um, you know, now that I, I've sort of, adopted this idea of having goals that I run my life by. It's like, I don't know what I did before. I don't know how I got anything done. Right. right. (laughs) It it helps to be able to say no. Yeah. Yeah. Right. When things come up, you're like, yeah, you're like, yeah, I want to wait. Hold on. Does that get get me to my goal this year? Maybe I wait, you know, or whatever it is. Yes. 
Right. Or, or right. A lot of times what I'll say is not now. So I, yep. so that's something I want to do, but I might have to think about that for 2021. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think just the idea of a goal really gives you guidelines around your life, like bumpers on a bowling lane, so to speak. It's like keeps <laughs> you away from anything that's in the gutter. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think it can just be, it, as you say, like it gives you that lens through which you can look at everything. Does, does this actually help me achieve my goals or does it not? Um, so yeah, I love that. Um, and so, so that's a lot professionally and, and it sounds like, I mean, obviously you love what you do. How do you recharge? Do you unplug? What do you do in your non-storytelling time? So this is actually on my list of, uh, <laughs> of goals for 2020. <laughs> Speaking of which, yeah. um, one of my goals for, for 2020 is to get outside for one hour every day. And I live in Boston, which is, that means that it's sometimes a challenge depending on the time of year. For yeah. example, January, there are some days in there that was pretty rough to be outside for an hour. So that could be walking my dog. It could be um, out, you know, just walking in the woods. It's, it's doing something active outside for one hour every day. And the reason why that's, a, that's on my list, even though it doesn't really map to anything, any output, is just for mental health reasons, because it gives me just a good break. Um, I'm the kind of person that I can start working at 7.30 in the morning, and I can be sitting here at 5.30 in the afternoon and just go, God, that was amazing. But like, my body hurts. I just feel so muddled. It's like, ugh, mm-hmm. like I just need a break. And so what that one hour a day does for me um, is just gives me that it, it's a, it's like we we're saying, it's that lens through which I have to get outside. It's on my list. I've got to do it. And every single day, it's just been massively beneficial to me because, you know, I find that just taking that hour outside, I come back and I'm, you know, I'm refreshed and I can, I can go at it once again. I'm a whole lot more productive than if I were not taking that hour and sitting there for eight hours straight. Right. Yeah, I absolutely love that. I've made a commitment to walk at least 15 minutes every single day this year. And same thing, mm, just mm-hmm. just to get outside. Some days it's a brisk, like I'm going to walk fast. Other days it's leisurely and I just want to look around. Now I'm in Michigan, January, mm, still very mm, cold. So mm. <laughs> it can be brutal. Uh, yeah, that's so good. Um, so we talked to Anna about uh, all of us in the business world are writers, whether it's emails, our social media, our LinkedIn page, whatever it is. Um, what if, and, and, I, and I mean, at the end of the day, we're all in some kind of business because we all have jobs for the most part. But how can we use story, do you think, in our everyday lives to make them better? How can we use story in our everyday lives to make them better? Um, in terms of like how we're communicating with other people, you mean? Oh, sure. Yeah, that's a great. I mean, is yeah, that what, I, sorry, that was a question. Is that what you meant? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I don't really know what I meant. <laughs> uh, <laughs> When, when I think about this question, I think about, so like, for instance, my, I'm, I'm married. My wife is in, uh, is in accounting world. So she doesn't think of herself as a writer, but professionally, you're absolutely right. She writes emails. Mm-hmm. How can you be a better storyteller there? But I think about her other, the rest of our life, right? All around. If you're, you know, if you were watching a video, it's my hands going around my head. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I think about the rest of our lives. Does story play a part in the rest of our lives? How can we use it to make our lives better? Is it connecting with people? Is it listening? Is it learning how to tell a better story? I just wonder if there's a way to use it outside of business. Mm, Yeah, I like that. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I'm pausing because I'm trying to think about, you know, do I use story in my daily life? Um, like when I go to Whole Foods to buy some greens for dinner, you know, I'm not talking to the person at the checkout and telling them a story about greens for dinner. <laughs> I don't think, but that, now I'm thinking about this a little bit more. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting question. I mean, I definitely think about story as as a way that I talk to my family, you know, the way that I tell them what happened with my day. Um, you know, one of the things that I do on a regular basis is, um, so every morning when I get up, I write in a journal longhand. So I this is also a sort of new thing for me. For I've been doing it for about maybe two years or so now, maybe year and a half. Um, and I was never really a, the kind of person who would sit down and, and write in a journal every morning. I really didn't see the point in it. But the reason why I started doing it is because I started recording stories, just things that happened throughout the day. So for example, I don't write about, you know, maybe my thoughts or my feelings or my, like my deepest, darkest ideas, you know, or my, yeah. my deepest, darkest thoughts. Like that to me is not anything that I'm really interested in, in recording and I'm, I'm not really interested in reading down the road. So, but what I do record is things that happen, things that make me laugh, um, quirky interactions with that guy at the bank, um, you know, this thing that happened and what did the tellers say? And, and so over the course of a year, um, what what's happened is that I've tuned my ear to stories and I hear them happening all the time around me, you know, and very often I'll, the next day I'll write those down in the morning, you know, in my journal. So why do I do that? I think it's just because I don't know, like, I don't know how I'm going to use those stories, but I do know that they're interesting. They're fun. I may use them at some point. Um, mm -hmm. A couple of, uh, a couple of months ago, I was at at the grocery store, speaking of the grocery store and stories, <laughs> I was at Stop and Shop and this woman who was at the checkout um, said to me, so I was at one of those self, self checkout, you know, like when you, like you just sort of go the boop over yep. the, yeah, you do it yourself. Um, I love those just because I, like, it reminds me of playing store when I was a kid. I just think it's kind of a fun thing to do. Yeah, so same I like, yes. I do. I love doing it. I just think it's fun. And so one of my items wouldn't scan. It was the blueberries that I was buying this package of blueberries. And so I, I turned the UPC code and I started punching in the numbers on the side. And so this woman who was monitoring that self-checkout area who worked at Stop and Shop came over to me and she said, oh, you know, the secret trick. Now, punching in the numbers that's on the UPC code like didn't seem to me like all that special uh, talent or right. insider knowledge, but apparently it is. And she's like, yeah, she says, oh, you should get a job here. Or no, I said to her jokingly, I said, oh, I should get a job here. I was joking around. And she said, oh, you really should. And then she went on about how the benefits of working at Stop and Shop are so fantastic and that she's been able to go back to school part time and that she's worked here for now eight years. Their vacation policy is amazing. She was super, super positive about Stop and Shop. Wow. Now, she took my offhand comment as like, you know, me actually saying that I wanted to get a job at Stop and Shop, which by the way, I don't, but <laughs> she was so passionate about what she was doing. And that's, a, that's, a, I wrote that down the next day in my journal. And I think I actually, I wrote about it in a newsletter at one point because it just struck me. Like, it's a great example of going through your day and collecting stories. I've told that story to so many people afterward just as an example of how passionate are your own employees, <laughs> you know, right. would they actually engage with a customer in, in that way? Would they actually 
talk to them about working at their job and trying to get them to apply for a job there. Um, <laughs> and the fact that she was so into it and so sincere, like she was just, she was such a lovely person. So um, I guess my point of telling you this is that these stories are happening around us all the time. It's how I think about the world. And, and the more you tune your ear to them, I think the richer, the richer our world, our world is. Mm. Yeah. The richer our world is um, totally agree. And I, and I feel like I've heard somewhere on the lines, this is not my, like I didn't coin this, but basically because stories are what connect us, you can look at a, like a, let's say a group of people. You could look at either, a, you know, a, a, a foreign group of people or within your own country, a political party, and you can make a broad stroke. But when you actually, um, connect with them and hear their story, it changes it. Mm-hmm. Right. Stories change the world for us. And so that was one of my thoughts is like listening to stories, you know, as you connect with that woman, you know, she may have been a complete opposite of everything else for you, but the fact that you connected over her story and it was so cool that she loves her job. Yeah. Now you have a human connection that humanizes us. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like my Dr. Pepper guy, Steve in Dallas, you know, similar situation where, you know, I would normally probably not have a reason to talk to Steve, but the fact that he and he shared that story with me and that we had that connection. And, and now it's like, now I have such a fond memory of Steve and Dallas, you know, so right, right. I do think it, it brings us closer together. Yeah. So listen better, right? That's the thing. Um, so in 25 years of working with marketers and fixing our mistakes, um, thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> speaking around the world, um, you know, the, the, keynotes and everything else and this newsletter you have you've built this database you've sold a bunch of books you have the answer to this that we all want to know uh how do we get our stories out today do you struggle with that still how do we get our stories out like how do we how are we able to be heard you mean in a sort of noisy world yeah as a storyteller if i think i have a story to tell what do i do i mean i would ask who needs to hear this story um who is it going to help? Who is it going to benefit? And how do you connect that to something that matters? Um, you know, one of the things that you sort of alluded to a second ago is just how, you know, when you, when you hear somebody's story, how it changes your perception of them, right? The, about how you, it changes the way you, you think of them. It changes the way you view their world or you understand them a little bit better. And so if that's true, then who needs to hear the story and figure out what's the best way for them to hear that story. Um, I think we have such an opportunity with podcasting and video in particular with telling those stories in a, in either a visual or, um, or in, in audio, right? Like a podcast like this one, because you hear somebody's tone of voice so much differently than you do when you're reading their words. I mean, there are some really skilled writers that when you read their words, you can hear their tone of voice. Um, but not everybody is like that. You know, a lot of people struggle with that. And, but you can usually hear somebody's tone of voice uh, through their speaking or, or, you know, through their video, you can catch, catch lots of cues that you can't otherwise. Um, and so, yeah, I think we just have a, such an, this world that we live in now in 2020, it's, it's just, there's, there's so many ways to tell your story, you know, figure out what feels comfortable for you. Where is your audience? What's the best way to communicate that? Mm-hmm. Um, and just start, just start somewhere. Um, even if it doesn't, even if it's not clear why you're doing it, I, I think there's value in that because I think eventually once you exercise that muscle a little bit, it's just like writing. The more you exercise it, the more comfortable you'll get, the more mm-hmm. you'll start to understand, here's what I'm going to do with this. Um, and that's really hard to know from, from the outside and from the outset sometimes. Mm-hmm. 
So, so it's, it's not some, I mean, it's something that you probably still work through even with your platform, but it's not something that we should be afraid of. We should just do it and get out there. We all struggle with it. Yeah. It's it's not hopeless though, right? No, not at all. I mean, there's a vulnerability in creating anything because the, the, chance is high that somebody is out there is not going to like it. Um, and so, but don't let that stop you because I think that's, that's kind of part of it. Um, you know, finding your community, finding your people is, is important, but that also means that there's going to be some people who aren't going to connect with what you're talking about, what story Mm -hmm. you're telling. And that's okay too. I think the point is to find those people that it it matters to the most and that it will help the most and will connect with the most and and really don't worry about everybody else. So Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. Just start somewhere. Just, just do something, Um, make something. I just think that there's such value for all of us to make something, to create something, even if if we don't identify as storytellers or creators of creators of any kind or creatives of any kind. um, I think it's it's massively important just to sort of keep your, keep your hands in it. Mm -hmm. That's great advice. What is your favorite platform as a storyteller? Um, I mean, I have two because I am a writer. That's how I started my career was as a writer. I, I was a journalist and um, came out of that, that world. So I think writing is my 100% my first love. Mm-hmm. But And that's why, by the way, I started a newsletter two years ago and why I didn't start a video series or a podcast like this one. <laughs> um, because I'm a writer and I wanted to have that outlet. I wanted to write. And so that's important to me. So that's probably my first, but, you know, I've really come to enjoy storytelling on stage as well. So both spoken as well as, as writing. Um, And the reason why I like that is because all the skills are the same, like trying to engage an audience, um, telling stories that will surprise them, that will delight them, that will engage them in some way or another, that will help them, that will improve their lives. Um, will educate. All of that is true, whether it's writing or on stage. But sometimes just being on stage and seeing people participate, you know, that they're, you can see their faces, you can see their eyes, you can, you can talk to them afterwards, they're laughing along. So all that stuff. I mean, that's just so gratifying as a speaker to be able to have that opportunity. And I never knew that. Like, I didn't speak for a long time until I was, I think, after Content Rules came out. So that was, let me think, 20, 2010 that came out. So just about 10 years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't, I didn't do a lot of speaking before then. I didn't seek out the opportunities because I didn't really value it. I didn't want to do it. And now I think that was, I mean, I'm so grateful that I've had this opportunity to shift my thinking on that because I, now I really do love it. And I love being able to connect with people. I just didn't see the, I didn't see the value in it previously, but you know, thank God that that shifted for me anyway. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, and, and when you say writing, is it long form books? Is it short form blogs? Is it, you know, social media or is it all encompassing? Each of those oh, yeah. brings something all, different for you. Yeah, it's everything. Um, I mean, with, for different reasons, you know, I mean, I, I love Twitter. I've been on Twitter for, gee, since like 2007, I think, something like that. Um, I think it's a fantastic way to, to connect a community. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I love Twitter. 
two days ago, I tweeted, how is it still January? It feels like January 57th, 2020. <laughs> because this month feels so long. You know, we're, we're recording this on the very last day of January, and it feels like it's been a year. Like, this month right. feels like it's been a year. Keep and so I, yeah, it does, isn't it? And so I tweeted that. And, you know, I, I, I love just being able to say that on there and just to engage on there. So, um, so yeah, so I love Twitter just as sort of a quick hit, you know, ways to connect with the community. Um, so yeah, so I love social media. I also love Instagram. It's like an, another one of my favorite platforms mm -hmm. um, because I love the way you can marry words with a graphic or with a photo or an image of some kind. So mm -hmm. I like the ability to tell a little bit of a richer story there. And then I guess, you know, the third would be just writing of... Um, of books or blog posts or newsletters or, or almost anything. I mean, I've just always been such a big writing geek, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> good to know. Good to know. Uh, and this has been incredible. I really appreciate your time. I'm going to get to my last question in a second, but I want to make sure anybody listening has the chance to connect with you. Where do you send people to connect with you uh, most? So you can um, find me on, I was going to say on the internet, you could find me at <laughs> annhanley.com. Um, if you are in marketing and want to learn more about marketing, you can sign up for marketingprofs.com. We publish a newsletter and all kinds of educational information there. Um, we have courses and events and webinars and so on. So um, fantastic resource for anybody who is a marketer. Mm -hmm. um, and then me personally, you can connect with me through annhanley.com. I'd love it if you signed up for my newsletter at annhanley.com slash newsletter. Mm -hmm. Or you can also find me on social media. Awesome. Uh, and definitely get a newsletter. Marketer or not, sales professional, entrepreneur or whatever, great stuff. I love the, the love letters you send out and the little <laughs> other quirks. It's, it's great. Um, so, Ian, if somebody were to say to you, now, now that you identify as a storyteller, I've convinced you, I think. Um, <laughs> if I were to say to you, you can no longer be a storyteller, what would your last story that you'd want to leave behind? Mm. Can, that's kind of dark. My God. <laughs> the last not, story. I'm not saying you're going to die. I'm just saying you can't be a storyteller. Maybe you have to go do something else. I don't know. <laughs> That's so funny. My kids always say that whenever I tell a story that I always laugh more than anybody else does. Mm. <laughs> and, so, mm. and so what they always joke with me about is that they want to put on my tombstone the words, she always made herself laugh. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, think, I think that's a really good story to end with. <laughs> there you go. There you go. We're kindred spirits. I get the same speech all the time. <laughs> Anyway, awesome. Well, Ann Hanley, thank you so much for making time for this. Uh, I really appreciate you spending an hour with me. Thank you so much for having me. Once again, a huge thank you to Ann Hanley. You can connect with her at the links in the show notes that she rattled off, but I put them all in the show notes, including all her social media. And if you enjoyed the episode, somebody that you know can learn from it or get something out of it, please share it with them. Uh, send them a note, a social media post. You can share it on Twitter, wherever you want to. I appreciate that. I love getting help spreading the word on these conversations with great storytellers. Let's change the world through story together. And if you want to share your story with me, go to the storytellersnetwork.com to connect with me there or email me directly, dan at the storytellersnetwork.com. Thank you for joining me on this journey. Until next time, here's to telling our stories and having those stories to tell. Cheers. Cheers.